Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Ellen Pogamiller with the Oklahoma Education Association. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you will join us every Friday. Today, I'm joined with a guest co-host today. Ivy Riggs is joining us. Catherine is out again this week. So welcome, Ivy. Thank you, Ellen. Good to be here. And then we are also joined by our OEA Stillwater president, Jenny Bobo, and her husband, Dr. Preston Bobo. Hello. Hi. Thanks for joining us. So tell us just a little bit about yourselves. Okay, um, so I teach in Stillwater. I uh, teach at actually our um, second year um, virtual academy, this, the Stillwater Pioneer Virtual Academy. Uh, last year was our first year to have our, our own building. Um, and so I teach there, um, I teach sixth through ninth grade and I love what I do. I also um, am the Stillwater um, president for the Stillwater Education Association. Um, I'm also their lead negotiator. And I saved the world. <laughs> I'm a chemist for a company called Environmental Management, and we do um, first response for um, environmental emergencies. We clean up toxic and hazardous waste. So if you see news stories of trucks upside down on the interstate, it's probably us out there cleaning up that big mess. Um, I'm also the vice president of a summer camp um, for kids, um, the Dwight Mission uh, Camp and Conference Center. And uh, and yeah, that's what, that's what I like to devote my energy to when I'm not out um, in chest waders trying to, to get all the oil out of a creek or whatever I happen to be doing that week. <laughs> so you two are saving the world in different ways. Yes. Well, I think she, she more focuses on people <laughs> and and I'm more focused on the planet. So if oh, I even my camp stuff more on logistics and like like plans and procedures. So well, that's great. So tell us a little bit about how you all got involved in the Supreme Court case and maybe just back us up a little bit about what is Senate Bill 658 and why it was being challenged. So Senate Bill 658 was a bill written by uh, the legislature to uh, really uh, consolidate power from local school boards and districts into Oklahoma City. And that's that's kind of the, the most succinct way I could put it. It, it took the, the safety mechanisms that schools would take to fight, and it was specifically about COVID, uh, immediately, like that was their their mechanism, but it took a lot of the things that the districts could do um, for any problem that might come up um, in the future, even for like IEPs that that kids might have or or other issues that kids might have, um, and just took those completely off the table. So, uh, with our daughter specifically, we were involved with it because. Um, Oh, I'm being no. Okay, so um, it's with with our daughter. She um, she's deaf, and so we have a disabled daughter. She has a perforated eardrum. So this is a, a fun um, like physiological fact that you guys can can get from this podcast that 
if you um, have a hole in your ear in your eardrum and you uh, cover up your mouth and nose, you can breathe through your ear. And so it's it's pretty horrific to to put somebody underwater who can do that and watch them blow bubbles out their ear. But uh, but it means that while a lot of the rhetoric surrounding 658 was, well, if you're concerned, just protect yourself and you're fine. Well, if you're a deaf human with a hole in their eardrum who wears a hearing aid, your ability to protect yourself is severely limited. You kind of have to rely on the people around you to uh, to to mask up to protect you. And and so while uh, we had a, a really robust, good uh, IEP and we had worked with our district and we're in a pretty good place. Uh, the state legislature decided that with, with the governor that uh, our plan wasn't effective anymore and they would unilaterally prevent us from uh, being able to protect our daughter. So we were joined um, some physicians who agreed with us, the, uh, the um, Oklahoma Medical Association agreed with us. By and large, anyone who objectively looked at the situation and wasn't trying to score political points, I think, looked at the situation and agreed with us. And thankfully, the Oklahoma Supreme Court also agreed with us because they ruled that it was unconstitutional and overreach from Oklahoma City. That's such an important, um, I mean, that's kind of putting your neck out there, right? I, I get why you did it. Um, we as parents are, you know, that's our, that's our most important job is to advocate for our kids. But um, Jenny, as a public school teacher, you know, we are uh, sometimes under attack. And, uh, and that's, that's putting your neck out there for every parent in the state that, that wants a bigger voice in, in what works for their, for their child. So I appreciate what you did. Thank you. So how long was that process, you know, when you decided to get, had the lawsuit happen and then you all decided to join? What was that like? I'm going to like, I'm going to default to you because I'm going to be honest with you. Preston did most of the work on this part. I was, I was primary, I was oftentimes trying to shield Jenny from that because like you said, um, Ivy, uh, being an educator, I really wanted her not to be, have her like, if somebody Googled her name, I really didn't want it to show up that, that she had sued our governor. I thought that that would probably be like, maybe parents wouldn't want that in, in their kid's school teacher. So, um, so to the extent that we were involved and, and because our daughter's a minor, um, a lot of those records were sealed very quickly. Like we filed a motion to have all those records sealed. So thankfully that information isn't even really out there very much, which is really good for us. But, uh, but we, we joined on as, as pretty much as soon as we heard about it. Um, as soon as we heard that there was a, a push for it, um, we were like, we want to be involved in this. We absolutely have um, somebody who can file a brief on that behalf and we are, we are in. And so we were the fourth or fifth party to be, to be joining in. We were, there before the um, Oklahoma Medical Association, before the tribes joined. I mean, we were pretty darn quick in, yeah. in the, the, the whole situation. And then the whole situation took, what, 10 months? Yeah, it was, it was, it was a very long process to get it to actually to the Supreme Court and heard and all that. Wow, that's quite a, that's quite a process and, and you know, uh, being the first at something without having the tribes behind you, without having some big entity like the Medical Association, that's a, 
that's scary and that's uh that's impressive I felt like the bigger it got, the, the the less worry I had, because I really was worried um, that um, there would be backlash for me, but also that there would, <clears throat> I was worried about us not winning. Um, and, you know, and I felt the more people that, that became involved, the more, um, the more we had, the better likelihood we had of, of winning this case, which I felt was important for everyone because really control should stay within the districts so that they can make choices about their community um, and for the individuals that they serve. Thank you. So, so let's let's talk about that right now. Just any district in the state. I'm a I'm a parent. Um, I have an issue with some policy that the district has proposed or implemented. Um, I can go to the next board meeting and I can speak on behalf of my kid and, and their disability, whether they have one or not, and, and plead to my neighbor, frankly, someone that lives in my community. And again, I'm a human to them. Maybe I see them uh, in town. Maybe our kids have activities together. Maybe um, community function, whatever it is. And so, um, it's so important for that to be the first level of of any policy. That's why we have elected board members. That's such an important process. So for that to be taken out of the hands of our locally elected board and put at the state level where there's so many levels of bureaucracy in between your daughter and, and the answer, <clears throat> that's, a, that's, that's a really big deal to have had taken away. Yeah, and just the politics at play there, you know, um, Heaven's State's um, interests are nowhere near the interests of the local school board, in my opinion. You know, he's he's not going to have the same things um, that he's concerned with. When we're talking about a local school board, they're, they're um, going to be interested in that community, the people that they serve. And right. I, Let's let's take let's take any one politician out of it, right? Right. Let's say any state level politician can't possibly know what's best in every single community. There's yeah. no way. So yes. that's why we have locally elected boards. Exactly. And the thing is, I can email any board member, and generally they'll respond to my emails. I can mm -hmm. so I can sure. have that conversation, even if I don't necessarily want to put myself out there and go to a board meeting and speak. Because with the Open Meetings Act like it is, that's not a conversation. That's me going there and, and talking at someone. But I can who, drop- Who can't email. respond. Exactly. So <laughs> I, can, I can have that email with them and I can tell them who my kid is and they can look them up and we can really have that personal relationship. And then they can advocate for me and my child at the board level. If I were to email even my senator, who is great, like I don't want to go into name, I don't want to name politicians, but my senator is is a pretty good dude. He's not going to know who my daughter is. He's not going to be able to look up every child in every school district in his uh, that he covers. Right? That's just unrealistic. And so, and that's one individual in the entire Oklahoma Senate. That's a, that's a great point. So, so we, we heard why you did it. 
because your daughter, she's your motivator, right? We heard kind of the process. So, um, you know, what is moving forward? How do you think um, uh, it's, it's daunting. What you guys did was daunting. I can't imagine how much time it took back and forth with lawyers. I can only imagine that's part of it. And then, and then the 10 month waiting game to know, do I get to still have a voice in my daughter's well-being, not just her education, but her well-being, right? Her, I mean, it's life and death for a lot of kids. So, so, so what's, I guess, not necessarily what's next, but I don't know what what do you think, what do you hope comes out of that besides just your daughter having a better or why do you think the ruling's important for Stillwater students and students across the state? Like why does it matter? I think that it matters because it allows, like we've been saying, um, those decisions to stay local and specific to the communities within which, you know, they will be implemented, right? So um, my hope is that going forward, um, school districts um, can make those decisions on their own and, and you know, cities and, you know, towns, um, those decisions stay local. And I feel like that's very important. And, and I feel like this was bigger, this sends a message, it's, it's bigger than just, um, than masks and schools, which is specifically what was ruled on. It's it's all local decisions, right? It, it can come over to like four day school weeks that the local communities have said, this is what is best for our community. And Oklahoma City is coming back and saying, no, 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 we don't like the idea of some small town in Oklahoma having a four day school week. And that's baffling, why? that It's working for, that whatever small town that is, why do you think in Oklahoma City that you, why do you want to change what's clearly working for this small district in, you know, southwestern Oklahoma or whatever it happens to be? Yeah. Um, and so the idea that Oklahoma City is wanting to subvert the, what's working for this small local level is, I, hopefully, we've, we've shown that no, local control is what's best. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're you uh, you took on a lot on your shoulders for every parent in the state that wants to uh, to be able to be involved uh, in their in their kids' experience, school experience. I think a lot of parents are uh, intimidated by that process. Maybe they didn't have a great school experience, so that's hard as a parent then to go and with confidence to speak up for your kid. Um, I think some parents might. I go about that in at least pr a less productive way <laughs> than than others, uh, but I do think that speaks to your experience. But um, I'm so appreciative as a parent that that you guys did take that on, so that so that other families um, can have that autonomy with their kids. Absolutely, yes. Thank you, also as a parent, um, we really appreciate that. So. Um, we, I want to thank Ivy and Jenny and Preston for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Fried Okra. We hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday and we look forward to picking back up our conversation in December.